Well, I have good news. So for the first or second time in about, James, how long have you been here? Like six years or something? First time in like six years, we are going to finish on time. I know, it's gonna be great. It's going to be great. I promise. <laughs> I love that face. Uh, do we have the photos? I, I have to show you something that happened this morning that is completely unrelated. So I, knowing me, you know, I saw an opportunity and I decided to park as close as possible to Ricky just to, you know, get on his nerves. But I was so excited that dumb me decided that I would park on that side, so I blocked myself in. And then I got a picture showing what James did to me. He decides to block me in, and he says, you're welcome. And then I walk outside, and I see that Katie blocked me in furthermore. So I'm not leaving today. <laughs> Wait, I'm blocked in the front now too? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'll be here for a while. So, well, go ahead and open your Bibles and turn to Luke. We're gonna be in chapter 17 and we're gonna be looking at verses 11 through 19. And I'm pretty sure, let me get this straight. I have this space, right? Last time I was all over the place and I was off the camera a couple times. So if it happens, I'm sorry, I move a lot. But in, in 2013, I went on my first mission trip overseas. And it is something that I will never forget. And I saw a couple things there. Looking back, I, I really see a couple things there that really stood out to me. One of them was the travel time there, which sounds really weird, but something that stood out was during the travel time. So. There was 50 of us from the church I grew up at that went to Africa, and then we split up into three different groups to go to different places, and I went to Zambia. Now, it took 30 hours of travel time to get to Zambia, and I somehow have a memory that I'll never forget from that, and it was this moment where we got to Lusaka, and then we had to take an eight-hour drive through the natural preserve in Africa to get to the area we are staying with the, the missionary. Now, this was on a bumpy road. This was in this literally like a safari bus. It was awesome. We were looking around. You could see different animals as we're driving through. And it was during the summertime here, which is wintertime there. So it's really weird. By the time it gets dark, it's freezing. And I don't even know how to describe that. I remember I didn't have a pillow while I was at this place, and so I slept on like some folded up jeans. It was great. But something that's, I know, random. Something that stood out to me, one of the three things that I saw was God's beauty in nature. So we were, you know, 30 hours of travel time. We're right at the end, almost at our destination. And 15 minutes before we get there, we break down in the middle of Africa where literally anything can be. It's pitch black and I don't know why, but we decided to get out of the bus. <laughs> so we're out in the middle of Africa, out just looking around. I know it's probably dangerous, but somehow we were allowed to do that. And I remember looking up and seeing more stars than I've ever seen in my entire life. There was no 
light around, so all I saw was stars. I wish I could have taken a photo of it, but he was insane. And so I saw that, and I could just see God's beauty. And then the second thing that I saw was how God has blessed me in my life. We, we were staying at a missionary's house, and then we would travel to this little field and do a VBS with these kids there in Africa. And they, when we got there, they would be kicking around a bunch of trash bags and using it as a soccer ball. And then you would throw out a soccer ball, and they'd lose their minds. Like, <gasps> and so we'd go, and somehow, I have no idea, we constructed a game together with them, couldn't speak their language, but somehow split into teams and played with them. And then after that, each day, we traveled and went literally hut to hut to evangelize to the people of Africa. And I will never forget seeing what little these people had. And the further we traveled, the worse it got. And I, I, the first time I even shared the gospel with someone there, I broke down in tears. I was so overwhelmed. It was like the smell was horrendous. What they lived in was awful. And I just couldn't imagine being there. And I was looking and seeing how blessed God has blessed me, how blessed I am in life. And I, as I was sharing the gospel one time, they, they gave me a chair to sit on, and that was so valuable to them, that, and it was to honor me, and so I, I would be able to sit on this chair and, and share the gospel with them. And so the third thing that I saw was God at work. There was 10 of us, I think 10 or 12 of us that stayed in Zambia and we split up into different groups, I think three different groups, and then went and evangelized. And in those three days of traveling and going hut to hut, our little group of like five saw 36 people give their life to the Lord. And I, I saw God at work. And, and looking back now, I see that I, I missed the point. I thought I was going to help those that were there and while that is true, God was revealing himself to me the whole time I was there. And although I was thankful for the life that I had compared to the lives of others, I simply carried on in life rather than searching for the source of his gratitude. I didn't realize that true gratitude follows when we understand all that Christ has done. And this is what we see in Luke. I love this passage. I love this section because it shows people like me who didn't understand what true gratitude actually is. So we're in chapter 17, verse 11. I'm going to go ahead and read through it real quick. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, as Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Pray with me. 
Father, as we dive into your word this morning, God, I pray that we will leave here knowing how to show you our true gratitude for all that you've done for us, God. And for those of those who are in here this morning that, that don't know you yet, God, as their personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray there's not a single person who doesn't feel your presence this morning and doesn't, I pray there's not a single person who leaves without knowing you. In your name I pray, amen. So I'm going to break this down into four different stages. The first stage is unclean. There's these people with leprosy, and once you're declared a leper, you lose everything in life. You lose your job, you lose your house, you are kicked out of the community, and you are considered an outcast. And this, and leprosy is a bacteria infection that will literally eat your skin away. You can lose your nose, your ears, your fingers, and in this time, it is a death sentence. And so you see that they're staying at a distance because people are afraid of them, and they're literally just waiting to die. Stage two is clean. So the sick come to Jesus, Jesus sends them to the priest, and then they're considered clean and qualified to be restored back into the community. They're no longer outcasts and, and people won't treat them like they're cursed. And they can finally have a life again. And imagine the people who love them and, and care for them and, and then all of a sudden they had this sickness and it had to be sent out, and when they come back and they're healed. Imagine what that's like for them, the, the confusion that had to be on their faces. Stage three is healed. So Jesus heals them from their sickness, but only one season. It says that they were cleansed, but then one of them sees that he's healed. And it's not that he receives a different gift, but it's that he receives the same gift differently. The others were so focused on getting back to their normal lives, whereas the Samaritan is focused on the reality that he was just healed from this terrible, terrible disease. And stage four is saved. There's ten people here that Jesus heals, but only one man is saved. The Samaritan is way more interested in the source of the healing than in the rewards of the healing. The nine were so ready to get back into their lives and paid no attention to the fact that they were literally just healed by someone. But there was something so powerful about what the Samaritan experienced that he had to turn back. And then you see Jesus ask three questions. He says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You might be wondering, why is Jesus asking these questions? And he's making a simple point here. Samaritans at, in this time are absolutely rejected by Jewish faith. The Samaritans and Jews do not get along together. And he's saying the one that has the heart for things of God is the one that most people were looking down at. And so Jesus is showing everyone around to show acceptance to all people. And then Jesus says to the Samaritan... After he sees the Samaritan's faith in him, he says, your faith has made you well. Now, all of them were healed, but he says, your faith has made you well. He's saying, your faith 
has saved you. And I think this story is one of the best stories in the gospel to show how ungrateful we can be as people. These people with leprosy came to Jesus in desperation, begging him, saying, have mercy on us, Jesus. He heals them, and then nine of them never come back to even say things. They're begging for a miracle. And then they just go straight to the priest. They experience God's work of grace in their lives and yet continue to fall short of receiving salvation. And a question might be, why were they so quick to go to the priest? What's the significance of that? Well, only the priest could actually pronounce someone clean so that they could go back to their life, but a priest can only claim what the condition already is. But with Jesus, the condition changes according to what he says. And so for the Samaritan, this is true power. He encountered the power of God, connected that power of God to Jesus, recognizing that Jesus is God, and he went from being healed to being saved. So have you missed something in life that you should be thankful for? We as people can often fail at showing our gratitude to those that are around us. Children can be pretty ungrateful to parents. I'm sure you know this. They depend on the parents for everything and then eventually just thank parents for a nuisance and forget how much we owe them. Couples can fail to show gratitude for the little things in life that their spouse does for them. And this is, this is a fun fact here. The older generation, James, for example, uh, failed to be thankful for his awesome student pastor with great style and superior knowledge. How did that one get in there? I don't know. (laughs) But the Samaritan gives us blueprints of what true gratitude is. And so this this is the meal. This is the meat of the passage. True gratitude is displayed when you do four things. The Samaritan does these four things. He turned back and he praised. It says praising God with a loud voice. So the first thing is Praise God for who he is. You know, we spent this morning worshiping God, but were you actually worshiping God as we sang those songs, or were you just singing the lyrics? Do you get caught up in your, your thoughts and thinking, well, I've got to make dinner for tonight? Uh, or are you actually spending this time worshiping God? And furthermore, are you worshiping the Lord outside of Sunday morning? We are called to worship God at all times, in all things. The second thing is, it says, praising God with a loud voice. So be vocal about who you believe in. The Samaritan used a loud voice so that anyone around could hear his joy for what has just happened and his faith in Jesus. Maybe you face times in your life where you could have been a little bit more verbal about your faith. I know that there's times that I've experienced where it's like I know that if I start this conversation, it's going to not be the easiest conversation to have with someone. But I know that God's putting on my heart, like, you need to share this right now. And I'm like, oh, but I know it's going to be hard. And, you know, I had, um, I had all of our students wear this bracelet that has the three circles on it. We just finished it. And 
I challenged them the other week to wear this for, for a week and see how many conversations started. Now, I don't think a single one of them wore it a whole week. But there was 15 conversations that came out of that, 15 gospel conversations, and that was amazing. And something that was encouraging to me, which sounds surprising, is that I had multiple students come up and tell me that they were literally made fun of for wearing this. But they continued to wear it. And it wasn't like it bothered them or put them in a place where they didn't want to wear this. It just concerned them that people didn't want to hear. And so that encouraged me to hear our students standing firm in their faith. So we have to be vocal about who we believe in, no matter how hard it can be. And then it says that he uh, fell on his face at Jesus' feet. So we need to fall to Jesus' feet. We need to show God our respect to him. We have to understand that God is the one that is under control. And that we have to be careful how we approach him and remember who's in charge. We have to approach God in humility. And lastly, it says he was giving him thanks. So we have to thank Jesus for what he has done. You know, too often do I find myself, and maybe you can relate with me, but I, I find myself praying to God, asking for certain prayer requests of people, myself, things that I want God to work in in my life. But I feel like a lot of times I fail to, to have a moment to give thanks to God for the stuff he's already done. But then when we look at the Samaritan and how he responded to God and what he had done in his life, there was no delay in his response. And as soon as he saw that he was healed, he immediately turned back and showed his gratitude. And so true gratitude is displayed when you praise God for who he is. Be vocal about who you believe in. Fall to Jesus' feet and thank Jesus for what he has done. Maybe you are here today as a believer in Christ and there's something you clearly need to be more thankful for in life. Maybe you're here and you might be wondering if you've just been accepting the things from the Lord without ever drawing close to him because of it. So my question is, have you ever responded like the Samaritan did? Are you verbal about your faith in Jesus? If this isn't what your life looks like as a believer, have you actually turned back and praised the source of the healing rather than just accepting the healing? Because it's not about being healed, it's about knowing the healing. And this is how you find faith that saves you. When I look back at that time in Africa, I see that I was simply recognizing all that God had done for me. Yet I left Africa without turning to Jesus like the Samaritan did. One of my favorite passages is, is Romans 1 verse 20. And Paul's writing to the Romans, and he's talking about God's invisible attributes Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. He's saying the Romans are without excuse. We are without excuse 
There's no reason for us to say there's no God. We can look outside and see creation, and we can know that there is a God because of it. I saw the beauty of God in Africa in many different ways, and I had no excuse of just leaving without turning to Him. It took a lot of harder moments in life to see that there is only hope in Jesus. At some point in my life, I recognized that I was alone and that there's no hope that this world can give me. And God gave me a purpose in life. I recognized finally after high school that God has a design for me. He had a perfect plan for me, for my life. He cares about me. He cares about what I do, where I go. He has a path laid out for me. And then I have failed and made choices on my own that have taken me off that path. And I found myself in a place of brokenness. And I've tried things. I could try good things to try and get me back on that path, but there's nothing that can get me back on that path alone. But then there's the good news of what this book tells us. That's the gospel. That is the truth of Jesus as God's son who came here, lived a perfect life, became the ultimate sacrifice for us, died on a cross, and rose three days later, defeating death so that I could be forgiven of those mistakes, those selfish desires and decisions so that I could have a relationship with him. And all I have to do, there's not a good thing I have to do, all I have to do is just repent from my past and believe in his word. And then because of that, I can recover from my brokenness and I can pursue that plan, that path that God had for me. And because... I know that Jesus died on a cross for me and made that sacrifice for me. I owe him everything. And it, and it puts on my heart to make sure I'm showing him true gratitude. The true gratitude that he deserves. And so, this morning I want to challenge you with two things to try and make this true gratitude a daily habit for us. Two challenges. You can do this, I promise you. It's not hard. First is this. I want to challenge you to show your gratitude towards God by taking the next seven days and writing down one thing to God that you are thankful for. And be specific. Don't just be like, God, I'm thankful for you. Wow, good, great. Now, be specific. For instance, this is the past three days. This is what I wrote. On Friday, I said, God, I am thankful that you have given me the ability to teach your word this Sunday to our church. I often feel like I don't deserve to be here, yet you constantly use me in ways that show me I am important to you. Saturday, I wrote, God, I am thankful for such an amazing opportunity for, to be your servant at this church further 
Furthermore, thank you for placing me in this amazing church with an awesome staff and such supportive people here. And then this morning I said, God, I am thankful for having great friends and family who would come and hear me preach and support me today. I truly have been blessed with the people that surround me each day. And the second thing is this. So the first thing is seven days of writing out one thing to God that you were thankful for. And then I want you to show true gratitude to someone in your life. I'm going to take a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask God to bring someone into our mind that has made a huge impact on our life. And maybe someone's come up to your mind now, but I want you to write that name down. And then I want you to reach out to that person this week and, and let them know why you appreciate them. Not that you appreciate them, but why. And then for that one person in here that I know is on the edge of making that decision today to follow Jesus. Don't be like the nine that left without turning back to thank God for healing. Make today the day that you follow behind in the footsteps of the Samaritan. So I'm going to take a time of prayer. Write that name down of whoever it is that's made a huge impact on your life. And then we're going to have a time of response. And maybe you need to come up here and you need to spend some time in prayer. Maybe there's someone in here that has made a huge impact on your life and you need to go and talk to them today, right now. Maybe you need to make that decision like the Samaritan and, and repent from your past and come to know Jesus. So make that day today. Pray with me. Father, there is so much in our lives that we can be thankful. God, there's things in our lives that you have done that clearly reveal your goodness. God, there's things in our life that we don't even know that you've done yet, God, but you have. God, there's stuff that you're doing right now, and there's stuff that you've got planned. God, I pray for the one in here that maybe feels like there is goodness in their life at this point where they think, my life is a wreck. I feel alone. I don't feel like I have something to be thankful for. God, I pray that they feel your presence this morning and they, they realize all that you have done for them and how real that is and how much of a sacrifice it was for Jesus to give his life for all of us. God, I pray that you would Continue to challenge us each day to show our true gratitude to you and to those that are around us. And as we take this time of response, I pray that those who need to get right with you will take this time to do so. It's in your name we pray. Stand to our feet. <clears throat> Thank you, Nate. Nate's reminded us from Luke 17 that we're all broken people. You know, we come in with our own story, story of brokenness, a story of uh, 
missing the mark in so many different ways, and yet the Lord loves us and cares for us, and he forgives us, he heals the broken spaces of our life, and calls us to himself, and and then we get to live in, in that. It doesn't mean it's always easy, but it means it's always with the Lord. He's walking with us in the good times and the bad times, and uh, we have much to be grateful for. Amen? And so this morning, I just want to reiterate what Nate's asked us to do. What are you grateful for? What's the Lord done in your life? How has he changed you? What, what, what kind of transformation has he been uh, birthing in your life? Who are you grateful for? Who, who, who has God used to, to bring about that transformation and that encouragement and just kind of to take you from where you were and he's moving you to where you need to be? Who, who is that person God's used? And then the third thing comes out of these 10 lepers here. Nine didn't turn back. One did. One experienced life-changing transformation. Uh, maybe this morning that's not where you're at. You're part of the nine. God's done some things. He's been generous. He's been great, or great to you. He's been good to you. And yet you've not turned to him. And maybe this morning you need to do that. Uh, you need to turn from the nine and be one of those one that says yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they did that as a Young guy in college, I came to know Christ as a freshman in college as well. And many around this room is probably around that age as well. But it could have been as a young kid. It could have been as an older adult. But today needs to be the day for you. And so we're going to sing a song. And this invitation is for you to respond. If the Lord's leading you in some sort of way, if you want to pray and talk with someone about what it means to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to come as we sing. But let's respond to the teaching of God's Word. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. From the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you
darkness. 